Hi, I'm Rob, and this is another episode of Rewind and Review. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, whose dental hygiene never gets in the way of his sex appeal. It's Jason! Yeah, baby! Yeah, baby, indeed. Welcome to Rewind and Review, the retrospective podcast, where we have a look at an existing property from the past, delve into its legacy, discuss how it's held up over time, and even give our own personal experiences. Did we watch it as a kid or sometime later in our lives? This episode of Rewind and Review, we'll look at a film that celebrates its 24th birthday this year in 2021 and is both an homage and a parody of the 1960s spy genre, particularly the James Bond franchise. Now, we wouldn't normally do a 24th birthday sort of <laughs> celebration, but, you know, we've got No Time to Die coming out, the latest Bond film, Daniel Craig's last movie... Finally coming out. In the UK, coming out on September 30th. Mm-hmm. In Australia, it's coming out in sometime in 2025 Five. or something. Disappointingly. Like, I don't know. No, it's coming yeah. out in November, I think. Yeah. We, we've got ridiculous whatever. For you guys in the UK, <laughs> sit back, enjoy. And don't what? tell us what happens because we don't want to know. <laughs> Keep that shit to yourself. Now, today's film, it spawned uh, two sequels and, and it's filled countless eye-rolling moments of just random dudes shouting out, Exactly like you just did. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah. And groovy, baby. And uh, just continuously during all the decades since its release. Didn't, so, didn't even try and do the, the accent. Just, I can't even do it anyway. I'm hoping not to hear a couple of pearls from you today. But um, So anyway, grab your dental floss, uh, grab your ridiculous cravat, and completely deny ownership of your penis pump as we rewind to the year 1997. Swinging 60s, here I come, baby, yeah! Go back to then. When? Now. 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 Ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. There's definitely a very slim chance for survival. Here we are once more back in 1997, a year when uh, Tomorrow Never Died for James Bond. Um, Agent J met the men in black and Agent Sean Archer faced off against terrorist caster Troy. But none of them looked like they were having anywhere near as much fun saving the day as British spy Austin Danger Powers in International Man of Mystery. Directed by Jay Roach from a story by Mike Myers, Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery stars... Mike Myers and Elizabeth Hurley, alongside Seth Green, Robert Wagner, and Mindy Sterling. Although we are certain you've seen this one already, <laughs> be warned, as always, that um, if you haven't seen Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery yet, but you want to, go watch it first before listening to this episode. We will be talking spoilers. Indeed we will. Um, and before we move on, I am just going to declare that I am not going to say its full title from now on. I, it I'm is pretty now sure Austin Powers. We're done with that. We're done with that <laughs> from now on. Now, in 1967, British spy Austin Powers, it's played by Mike Myers. Who is the International Man of Mysteries? So. It is indeed. <laughs> <laughs> he thwarts an assassination attempt by his nemesis, Dr. Evil, also played by Mike Myers, in a London nightclub. Dr. Evil escapes in a rocket and cryogenically frees himself and Powers volunteers to be placed in the cryostatus as well, just in case Dr. Evil ever returns. 30 years later, 
Dr. Evil uh, enacts uh, his plan to destroy the world by exploding a stolen nuclear warhead in the core of the planet. The British Ministry of Defence they panic, and led by Basil Exposition, who played by Michael York, they unfreeze Austin, and with the help of Agent Vanessa Kensington, played by Elizabeth Hurley, the daughter of his old sidekick, Mrs. Kensington, played by Mimi Rogers, Austin Powers then becomes acclimatised to the 1990s, and the two start working towards stopping Dr. Evil's plans. Hilariously, as if I may add. Hilariously. Hilariously. Yes. There are some antics along the way, definitely. A couple, indeed. All right, Jason, tell me about your experience. This is a weird one. This is a weird one. Okay, see, let's go back. Let's go back to sometime in the 90s. 1997, to be exact. Well, maybe not even. Maybe not even, because the first time I, I... I don't even know if I watched it properly, but the first time <laughs> I discovered Austin Powers... I think my parents were watching it, and it was kind of white, and it was like, oh, I reckon, like, you know, I think they said they were like, yeah, I and Jace would enjoy this, I think this is pretty funny. <laughs> I was pretty young, like, yeah, like, I mean, I knew, I could tell it was like a James Bond sort of, like, spoof thing, mm-hmm. but it was, it was something, so much more to it, like, it was its own thing, bright, crazy characters, um, you know, the, crude humour, a little bit, a little bit naughty, and a bit also a bit strange and stuff like, like yeah. what is this i don't even remember that's the first time i actually watched it it was probably later on because i've only ever seen this movie on like dvd i guess mm-hmm. or maybe video at some point but um and there's a little bit more to that i i, I guess which i discovered which i don't know whether to talk about now or later mm-hmm. um but there's different i mean there's different edits of this movie and I've only ever seen the ones on DVD, except for this rewatch. This much more right. rewatch I gave, and I'm very familiar with this movie. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I'm going to say now, like, mm. I love this movie, and you know, I very much enjoy the sequels um, and the characters and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I've, you know, I, but I was like, I'm going to do a rewatch, and yeah. I watched it on a streaming service. Yeah, and uh-huh. I was like, there are scenes missing. What's going on? What's going? On? There's, there's, and it turns out I looked into it mm. as much as I didn't do any research for this. I did look into, into this, <laughs> and I was like, "Where are these scenes? There's alternate. There's, there's different cuts, and apparently the version I've been watching has been the special edition. All right, has these extended scenes. Yeah. So there's um, the, like the when it cuts to the like the families of the henchmen, mm. um, Christian Slater's uh, cameo, you know, with the orange sherbet stuff. I actually don't know what you're talking about this right is, now. This is mind-blowing. <laughs> <laughs> because I, the, the, the version that I've seen is the version that I've watched. And I've only, I haven't seen any other... Okay, you, just said, you just said, the version I've seen is the version I watched. No, the, the version I'm familiar with oh, is right, the one okay. that I watched for this So this you don't podcast. remember the... I don't know what you're talking about. Orange Sherbet. <laughs> no, not at all. No recollection of that oh, at man. all. Oh, man. This is nutty. Were you on LSD when you watched it? No, this this is legit. Yeah, okay. This is legit, All right. Cool. All right, well, mind blown. Anyway, sorry. It's insane. As a as a whole, though, like um, I enjoyed the franchise and mm-hmm. all of that. Um, it was probably like one of the first DVD box sets I ever bought. Cause mm. I was like, you know, these are, these are nice, cool little trilogy of films. Mm-hmm. Look, I enjoy. I enjoy these movies. Well, great. <laughs> sorry, long winded. Uh, you enjoy these movies and you've seen it a few times and you may have seen different versions than I have. Look, I, I was yeah, actually I mean, yeah, that's in dot point. That's yeah, the, what the, I said. The only oh, I'm you know, <laughs> summarizing. Um, uh, now the only difference in the version that I saw um, was there was different dialogue around um, the joke with uh, Princess Princess Diana and Prince Charles. Right. So that was removed in the version that I saw originally, um, but the version I watched here the joke is in there and it was removed for uk audiences because it was around that time that diana died 
yeah. within that room. And so there, it was they it was a different it was a modified version of the scene i think it was just cut or edited a bit more craftily it's weird how there's a lot of mm. there is a lot i know we don't normally talk about this stuff this early but no there's a lot of different little things i noticed when in this most recent rewatch where it was like jokes were di- like timed differently and there was like mm. different cuts to stuff like the bit where you know austin powers says i never forget a pussy yeah cat and that's how i've always different watched beats, it different things yeah. in this version i watched on this Streaming. I mean, I watched on binge. Like, I don't know if that makes a difference, but mm. um, but it was literally like it was cut. Like I never forget a pussy cat. Like, I was like, oh, yeah. but, oh, okay. I was like, what was that? That was that yeah, was weird. And I was like, and I was literally sitting there being like, am I on drugs? <laughs> am I? Well, it's interesting that we say we're talking about this, even though we we haven't progressed through any of the legacy or anything just yet. But they're actually so in um, Europe, particularly in Italy, but it was other places as well. Um, the redubbed version of it. So the penis instead, enlarger. Um, well, I don't know about that, but the, um, the character um, vagina, a lot of vagina. Oh, her, yeah. her name changes completely to it's, cleavage or something like yeah, that. It's, it's cleavage or something. Yeah, it's completely unrelated. So um, I guess you know, different, uh, different inter- there's different versions out there, mm. and um, depending on where you watched it or when, you you might have a different experience. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, and I can honestly, I, I didn't watch it on a streaming service. I just watched them an old copy that I have. So I'm not sure which which one mm. which one goes up against yours. But with my personal experience overall, yeah, I've seen it quite a few times. I think I've seen number two a little bit more than I've seen this. I think I've only seen Gold Member once. Maybe right. maybe twice. Gold but, member was the only one I saw at the cinema. I saw that at the cinemas too. Yeah. These one, the rest of these were um, VHS with over friends' houses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's usually you know for a good so, laugh. Um, but um, I I, re- I really enjoyed them when I was a kid. And my uh, my recent watch to to this episode, I will tell you how I feel as we go through it all. All oh, right, fair enough. So keep um, them close to your clavage. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right, legacy. So this movie. It cost sixteen point five million to make, um, and it made sixty seven point seven million. Modest, pretty damn good. Um, so how that spawned sequels, I don't know. From that, like just looking at it, the money come in, it's, it's profitable, but it's not that profitable, you know. You know, it like quadrupled its money. That's a cheap ass movie to make, sixteen point five. Yeah, but it still didn't create a huge. No. I mean, the, the next, you know, the, the sequels made a little, a little bit more. I think. I think, I think uh, definitely enough. I mean, look, mm. it debuted at number two. The US box office, it, it mm-hmm. likable characters. I think reviews yeah. and reception of the film were pretty yeah. decent. That they were like, let's do another one. Yeah. Let's do more. I've got here a nice little thing in the notes as well, which you might be pleasantly surprised, Jason, that um, inflated. For, uh, you know, adjusted for inflation, it's actually 115.1 mil is what it made oh, in right. today's dollars. I like how you've included a link to it. Yeah, so that's where, so that's where like, when, you, when you're doing the notes, you can do the same thing. Oh, right. So, okay, cool. Am I meant to click on that? <laughs> Not just yet. Okay. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, okay, maybe, maybe modest money. Um, clearly enough for the studio to uh, to follow through with, with sequels. Critical rating, generally positive, received positively. Um, so Rotten Tomatoes at the moment gives it 71%. It's an average of 6.4 out of 10 based on 63 reviews. And Metacritic give it 51 out of 100 based on 25 reviews. Mixed to average. Um, the user score, though, is 8.5 universal acclaim. So you've got maybe a bit of discrepancy between official critics and, and audience. Um, but that happens a lot, doesn't it? Now, uh, some comments from the critics. Um, it's a light and goofy comedy which provides laughs, largely due to the performances and screenwriting of Myers. 
film's greatest asset is its gentle tone, rejecting the smug cynicism of the Naked Gun style parodies, and never loses uh, the earnest uh, naivety, naivety—is that that word—of um, the psychedelic era, whatever that is. Um, and Roger Ebert, because we always throw him in if he's done, so, if he's given a review, it's three out of four stars received if it. If he's given a review, just like, like yeah. if some of them I haven't found. Oh, for real? Yeah, yeah especially yeah. on the wiki pages. Anyway, um, <laughs> and this one is one of them. I had to go hunting for this one. Don't tell people we refer to Wikipedia. Oh my god! I mean, it's it's, uh, it's the, the peer sourced resource um, out there for people to learn things. Um, three out of four stars. Austin Powers is a funny movie that only gets funnier the more familiar you are with the James Bond movies all the Bond clones and the countless other 1960s films. I mean, we've got to, we've got to address, you know, like, I mean, I said it before when mm. you know, I was talking about the, this being a movie in itself, like a lot of parodies, even like great movies like Naked Gun and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like later on how, you know, we've just got an onslaught with scary movies, which, you know, some were good, some were great, mm -hmm. some weren't. And then we got just garbage, like epic movie, disaster movie, Superhero movie, although I kind of the like death it. of cinema. Has yeah, been but, yeah, basically, it's you. just like where it was like a reference is more is like satire as opposed to what mm. we're getting in this. It's like an original story with flavors and actually poking fun at and enjoying and celebrating yeah. the thing. It's what they're doing with with the, this genre and like the psychedelic '60s era of like British pop culture and stuff like that. It's, yeah. eh, this does it well. Yeah, and it's its own thing. Like I said, like when I first watched this movie, like I. Like, I kind of worked out it was, like, a Bond thing, I mean, because of things that I had known, but mm -hmm. otherwise, like, probably wouldn't have known. It's just, it's really its own thing. And a lot yeah. of the a lot of the parodies, like, there's, well, I don't know, we'll get to them, but, like, there's some deep cuts in there that it's, like, you only know if you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's very, very, so, yeah, watching it as, a, as an adult um, and with maybe a little bit more Bond up my, my you know, under my belt or up my sleeve or whatever. Bond up your way. A few more, few more Bond feathers in my cap, whatever, whatever analogy you want to bloody use on it. But I appreciated uh, the experience a little bit more um, seeing some of those, yeah, those those quite nuanced little takes on a few mm. of, of the tropes and things that you just expect well, with pre-97 with pre Bond. How are you with, specifically with Bond? Because, I mean, although there's references to other things, mm -hmm. like with Bond films, are you also bringing, like, are you a Bond movie fan, 007, so spy genre? I'm a, I'm a Brosnan through <laughs> to uh, Craig fan, so definitely familiar with, with all of the movies that have come out pretty much since then. Um, beyond that, it was only Connery that I really kind of seen, so yeah. I didn't see Roger Moore stuff, I didn't I'm, see anything else. I'm pretty much the same with you. Mm -hmm. I love Daniel Craig's thing, you know, like I watched like, the, the Pierce Brosnan movies sort yeah. of growing up, and I dabbled in a few older ones, you know, with some Sean Connery, some Roger Moore thrown in there, yeah. some of the other ones, Timothy Dalton, hello, how you doing? Yeah, that's right. Um, but recently, which is actually a pretty good time, a couple months ago, you know, like, as we were anticipating No Time to Die, me and the wife were like, let's go back and watch all the Bond movies. Eventually we stopped because No Time to Die just, like, kept getting delayed and we were like, whatever. Like, <laughs> but we had gone back and, you know, we started from, like, Doctor No. Wow. And then, uh, don't ask me which one's next, but I can't remember the order. Oh, but, yeah. but we were going, I think we watched, like, the first, like, four or five. Mm. And one of the funnest parts of it was watching these movies and being like, Hey, that's in Austin Powers. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what that's pulled from. I didn't know that was a uh, a Bond thing in that. I just thought that was something in this movie. Well, that's that's it's amazing. Weird. It's weird, especially the first few like Bond films, like Doctor No and the second yeah. one. Like, there's a lot of stuff in there. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, that's, well, you would have had a very interesting experience watching rewatching this one. Then far out. Um, yeah, I'm not familiar enough with any of those older dated ones to see some, but I am familiar with certain tropes. 
Um, mm. And this movie also, not, it's not just the Bond franchise that it, it kind of takes the mickey of. There's a, there's a few others that are kind of all around the same time, you know. Um, we'll make note of those a little bit later as well, but it's primarily the Bond, Bond franchise is where it's really focusing its attention. Now, awards. It was nominated for nine awards and won three. None of the big ones or anything, but, you know, MTV Movie Awards, Saturn Awards. Didn't get any Oscars. <laughs> but um, MTV Movie Awards um, is the best villain and best dance sequence. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Which is that <laughs> sequence during, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Uh, it's nominated for Best Comedic Performance um, and Best Movie as well. Uh, and Saturn Awards, Best Fantasy, nominated for Best co- um, Costume. So it won Best Fantasy. Yeah, so, you know, it caught the attention. Of some, oh, some of the, some, that's it. yeah. Now, the franchise it has a film series. We've got this movie, which I refuse to say the full name and the length of the movie. The second movie that <laughs> came out in 1999 was Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, and then there was a third movie in 2002, Austin Powers in Gold Member. Um, I like gold, oh, I love these movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, terrible. Ridiculous. Uh, now, Mike Myers, um, is. Since the 2008, he's been working on scripts and bits and pieces. There's kind of always been stirrings of a fourth movie. Mm. Um, it's always been in development. Um, so it's just always been in development. <laughs> as of 2018, uh, Myers he stated that the script was still being worked um, and the interest was there, but so he basically, you know, personal reasons, family, things like that, is he took a step back from pursuing things too hard, too far. But in saying that, Jay Roach, who directed all three, He's in, he said he's interested still. Um, Myers is still kind of pushing the idea out there. Um, and uh, I think one of the treatments they had was around uh, centering on Dr. Evil and um, his son, but not really focusing as much on Austin Powers. Do you know, I think one of the one of the reasons that mm-hmm. there might have been a lot of more hesitation of making that fourth one, especially these days, when Vernon Troyer, who plays Mini-Me, yeah. uh, when he passed away, mm. I feel like for them to go back and do another especially if they are going to have a big focus on Dr. Evil, to not have Vern Troyer yeah. in that role. It, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like them navigating that would be a bit well, tricky I, or, like, you know, would they replace him? Would they just not include the Mini-Me character? And I, I feel like he, although not in this movie, Mini-Me became such a big oh, absolutely. part of the franchise. And, and so they, they, they do reflect on that in some of these um, stories or, and, you know, the tabloids around, you know, is there ever going to be a, a, uh, another Austin Powers? They they talk have talked regularly, particularly around the time when he passed, saying you know it's an opportunity to actually reflect and celebrate him. Um, but that was now, so he passed what? It's like ten years ago now, right? No, was it? It was a while ago. Though. No, it was, surely but, you know, not. These last bloody eighteen months have felt like ten years. So who knows? But either way, the conversations have been evolving around how do you celebrate? Um, in 2018, 2018. So it wasn't that long ago. So three, three, four years ago. Huh. Time's a funny, fickle thing, isn't it? I think that's the first time ever that uh, a time has actually been smaller. <laughs> oh, you don't live in my head. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, but uh, I think, yeah, there is a point where it, it, too much time has passed, will, will have passed, where it may not be as effective. Yeah, it just has a, has a larger <clears> sense, like the um, like the franchise. It's been, when when did that? 2002. 2002. It's yeah. almost, it's been 19 years since that third movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's not impossible. Heaps of movies, you know, come back. But I mean, there's a line in this movie where it's like, "No one likes an aging hipster." It's like, yeah. do we really want to see like 
a 50, 60-year-old Austin Powers running around. Well, Jay Ropes, the director, says, you know, it's all about Myers himself and if he can come up with a story that he's happy with, as in Myers is happy with, then yeah. he's like Jay Roach will jump on board. So it is really comes down to what Mike Myers is happy to kind of do. doesn't sound like there's much input from studios to pressure or anything. It sounds like it is quite quite very much sitting in Mike Myers' corner. Let's see we get Austin Powers 4 or Shrek 5. I don't know. We're getting... Either one of them. I'd kind of be okay with either, to be It's honest. like my... Like Myers in development hell, like they're just going <laughs> one one or the other. Now, TV, HBO purchased the rights to produce an animated series um, in 1999, but that got shelved as well. Wicked. Um, there were some games, so I had no idea there was any video games. So, do you heard about any of these? I remember them like seeing some. I don't really? know, it was a pinball machine or something. It's the usual, yeah, there's, it's the usual there's, time. Well, there was a few pinball machines, um, but there was video games with the PC, the Mac, Game Boy. Um, so you got, it was Operation, it was like a trivia game, um, Austin Powers O-Behave on like, Game Boy. I like the name of this one, Austin Powers Welcome to My <laughs> Underground Lair. <laughs> my Underground Lair. Ugh. And Austin Powers um, Pinball, which was actually on a console game, as well as actual pinball machines. <laughs> sure. Hey, any sort of tie-ins and uh, merchandise that they can uh, yeah, produce. Absolutely. But but you can't deny, though, the cultural like, impact of this movie. Like we've already said, you know, just from a catchphrase quoting point of view, you like, even today, after 24 years, you will hear people say, yeah, baby, or... You... I can put my little finger, my little pinky finger up to the side of my mouth. And someone will know. Everyone will know Everyone what's know, going you, on. You know what, you know what I'm doing. You know what I'm doing. Yeah. And, you know, that, that, that old $1 million, like, yeah. it is a thing that people will just drop, you know, for, for no reason at all. It's such a well-known thing. But, um, so, yeah, an impact moving outside of its actual, you know, the media that it's produced, it's also produced just a whole host of catchphrases and basically living memes of things and stuff, you know. Now... Legacy and impact on the spy genre. So we kind of touched a little bit uh, off mic a little bit about Daniel Craig. He actually had um, he's kind of commented. Now, the reason why uh, his area of James Bond movies have kind of moved into more dark and gritty and serious tones is, he's quite honest, is he thinks that Austin Powers and what Mike Myers did pretty much screwed them <laughs> because it parried all of those silly, quirky elements of the James Bond franchise up until then. So they had to change the direction. Yeah, it. it's like we can't take them seriously anymore. And I, I, again, I think that's kind of weird because, you know, when I was watching, revisiting like those older ones, yeah, it was sort of like a lot of the things weren't landing right. Like I was still able to press it and be like, no, I get it. This time this mm. was fun, cheeky thing. But like, mm-hmm. watch it, I was just like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. This is like, uh, yeah, it's, it's funny, like, parody can sometimes <laughs> ruin the art. Yeah. But, like, he's right. And I, I, I don't know. I, I think that's a hilarious little, that's an, uh, a hilarious little statement from Daniel Craig. Yeah, absolutely. And I am, um, look, I actually think the the genre moved in the right direction. I think the same thing happened with um, Dark, and you, reboot, look, Dark and Gritty Reboots. That's right. Yeah. Like, look, look at the superhero genre and, you know, what that mm. moved from, from the, you know, 60s TV through to where it is now with Batman and stuff. Like, sometimes the quality, you know, it does, it is times for a change. Sometimes. Maybe you can still have fun. Like, you know, yeah. Things, things improve that. But it's funny, like, you know, I already mentioned all the shitty little, like, spoof movies, but in terms of, like, spy, almost, you know, like, even like Bond direct sort of um, mm. spoofing. We've got like the Johnny English. We've got oh, yeah. there's like Spy Hard, um, <laughs> yeah, and then right. there's just like spy comedies and stuff like that that you that you sort of come across. 
Yeah. Again, a lot of them when they well, are spy doing, comedies are still a pretty current genre. You still see. Yeah. That, you know. When they are when they are doing like the parody, mm. it's all. And maybe this is more of a discussion when we get to you know when we're talking Mike Myers, which you know that's coming up at some point. Uh, yeah, at some point. But I guess keeping this all still related to parody and stuff, it's it's mm. like what they were like someone like Johnny English or like Spy Hard. It's still it's still that that um what they normally do is like they get the the gentleman spy idea so they're still wearing a tux they're yeah. still wearing you know like they're still doing that you mm. know, doing all that they still have gadgets and stuff like that. it's very much a bond a secret yeah. agent a spy thing and they're usually like a goofball yeah. or aloof whereas this one it's like where this character is and like the world that he exists mm. in even though we're watching him being like you know he's crazy as zany it's like mm. the world really views him as a top they, spy. They no revere him completely. Yeah, yeah, no one's ever turning around being like, this guy's an idiot or this guy's doing something stupid. Yeah. No one else in the movie is playing it straight, which I mm. thought was... Because usually you have your, your key character and he's the satire, he's the joke, yeah, he's the, the, the fun goofball and everything around him is serious and they're trying to navigate around that character. Yeah. This includes a world of just bananas. Just bananas. Yeah. Utter banana. Just banana in your face. Pure banana. Or sausage, or whichever. What the hell? Where are you going? with that? <laughs> food-related censorship, you fool. Um, all right. So let's talk about the movie itself, hey? I mean, we kind of have been. Yeah, I, mean, I just kind of, yeah. kind of like delved into it already. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, and the point here on the doc here is around inspiration and parody. Like you, you touched on that parody and satire element and and spoofing things, but it, we would be remiss without actually saying that it's not just James Bond, like I said. So Myers has said very clearly that it was it's also um characters and i i don't know any of these so i'm going to read straight off the piece of paper but um matt helm that's a fa- it's a franchise that, that was that that's a, a franchise yes yeah. yeah, that had five movies i think oh for real wow. yeah um jason king that's another spy genre i think that was a tv show and you've got danger man secret agent danger man and secret agent it's the same show it was called one or the other, depending on if you're in the US or the UK. Right, okay. And it's a TV show. What did we have? I think we probably got we probably got Danger Man. I, feel I like reckon that's Danger what we Man had, rings. But I'm not, I don't know. Not, don't hold me to it. <laughs> and you got the man from um, Uncle or U N C L E, and that I believe was a TV show as well before it was in that that re that rebooted movie yeah. that came out. That was recently. a fun movie. Fun movie. Guy Ritchie. Yeah. yeah, good times. It was. It was all right. <laughs> it was all right. So there's different. It, it wasn't just you know isolating one element of the genre. It was kind of looking at different flavors. But but James Bond. James Bond. <laughs> probably James Bond. And we're talking about some of the things here. Um, this is a list of I think well we have five things here, but this is nowhere near as many. Uh, like the four. Yeah, like we we keep this brief. We cannot uh, go through everything, but. So some of the things, some of the references to the James Bond franchise. So the character Random Task, very obvious. Um, he's a parody of um, the James Bond villain Oddjob. What? Who was my no. favourite <laughs> favourite character to play in GoldenEye on uh, 64. <laughs> okay, I was going to say your um, favourite. I forget you hadn't actually played, uh, hadn't actually watched the old movie. But um, uh, he used to throw his hat right? gold, to cut his Goldfinger? Yeah, I think so. pretty sure Goldfinger is the movie... Fort Knox. Yeah, you got the, the one where they, the yeah. lasers cutting in the, the table and stuff. I think. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Expecting yeah. right. to die. That's good that's stuff. Right. Yeah, that's got odd job in it. That's, that's right. That's probably my favorite out of the old classic. That's great because I've seen that one. That's a good one. That's the one where you um, like the, that Bond girl gets painted gold and she dies because she can't. I like gold. Yes, man. It's great. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Cool. 
So there you go. Odd job uh, uses his hat as a weapon in whatever movie that was. Random Task uses his shoe. <laughs> Very good. Who throws their shoe? Yeah, well, I mean, clearly Random Task does. Um, the underground drilling base, it's a direct reference to the villain's lair in uh, You Only Live Twice, which was also in a volcano. It's also reminiscent of Moonraker. You, could, you, just, you watch Moonraker. Very similar aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, very, yeah. yeah. When, you know, like the space age in the 60s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> From their point of view. Um, do you want to take one of these? Um, well, Austin Powers drives a high-end sports vehicle with many yep. gadgets. I mean, it's not a um, it's not an Austin Martin or an Aston Martin or whatever it's called. Uh, yes. <laughs> but uh, in this case, it's a 1961 Jaguar E-Type Shaguar with the number plate Swinger. Yep. Um, and it has a high-tech video call interface. Yes. Where you can talk to Basil, Basil Exposition. Basil Exposition. <laughs> so Basil Exposition can provide exposition. Um, <laughs> I thought, so I didn't know before um, doing research that they nicknamed the cars the Shaguars, but very cool. Um, and in the later movies, it's a 2003 model um, Jaguar well, something, sense, something. Yeah. But um, the first two, I think, use the, the 1961 um, now, while in Las Vegas, um, Austin Powers goes to a casino and gambles against a villain. The very, very popular trope in, mo- in a lot of 007 movies is the whole, whole idea of uh, re- doing reconnaissance at a poker table yeah. of some kind. He's playing poker. Oh, I guess he's playing blackjack in this case. He's playing blackjack in yeah, this one. Yeah, but, you know, much the same. And he terribly, it's terribly, might have. Terribly, 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 terribly. You know, you've got, the, got that villain with the, with the mm-hmm. eye patch. You know, like cheating. It's all very Bondish. Very much is so. Don't say Bondish. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, um, speaking of slipping of the tongues, right here, um, these <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. films are very famous <laughs> for keeping their women names that act as um, double uh, uh, as innuendo. So you got, you know, in some of the older ones, you got Pussy Galore, Zenya on the top, Holy Goodhead, etc. Uh, Holy Goodhead. In oh. the Oscar Powers films, they take up the same tradition, and uh, this one, obviously, starting with a lot of Flashina. Played by Fabiana Unendo. Unendio. Um, now there are other <laughs> uh, there are other um, references, but they're more character related, which we'll talk a bit later about. But oh, it means heaps. There's so many. Well, there's even I mean, there's apart from all the bonds. I mean, there's yeah. the, the, the stuff with the suspended animation, mm. which you know, like all these like sci-fi movies. You know, like um, the revival of John Spartan, played by Sylvester Stallone in Demolition Man. Like, it's have like, you seen it? Um, yeah, like a long time ago. A long time ago. Do not quiz me when on you. That. No, 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 but when you're watching. Yeah, Austin Powers. This time, did you like? Did you were you aware of that? Not really, to be honest. It's, to me, I'm just like it's just cryogenic freeze again. For it's some sort reason, of like yeah. it's just this is what they're doing in this movie. I'm giving credit to these writers and these creative people. Yeah, you know, this is what you've come up with for this movie. <laughs> but no, I, well, yeah, this movie, this watching, this rewatch that I recently had was, I think, the first time I kind of actually noticed it. Mm. Um, and whether or not, I'm sure I would have seen Demolition Man before I saw. No, but like now in your note, you're pointing it out. Yes, quite clearly, (laughs) quite clearly it is. Um, So they've done, yeah, and so that, yeah, like we said, that's a few different references from both James Bond and like inside and outside of that genre as well. Um, Want to move on to a different topic? You want to talk score and soundtrack, etc. Yeah, one of the first things in this movie is that big dance number. I have to admit, right? So I actually didn't. I thought that was a score element. I thought that was part of the score but it's not it's part of the soundtrack right yeah it's a track that is a track track. by by Quincy Jones isolated piece of music Um, because the score very much is more like you know like you've got like the Doctor Evil sort of yeah like sort of 
background music. Yeah. You've got it's more. I say this a lot on the podcast, but sometimes these scores are just simply mm. um, they're not. In no way are they thematic. They're atmospheric. That's yeah. the purpose. And you got moments in this movie where like you've got like the transition bits. It's probably where the music is highlighted for like the more Austin Powers stuff, like the dun, 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 yeah. like that bizarre. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this soul bossa nova. So I bossed over like Quincy Jones. Um, so yeah, Myers grew up listening to Quincy Jones, and so it was one of the first decisions made as part of the production was that that particular kind of track and feel would be the underlining tone. And like you said, you know, you've got you got that opening, but you've got the interjection throughout the movie that just keeps flicking back to those um you know psychedelic fucking rock play players who yeah. are actually. The um, uh, Ming T. <laughs> Ming T, which was, do you know the story behind Ming T? Um, it's Mike Myers, like, he's, it's his band, isn't it? Yeah, on Saturday, yeah. Saturday Night Live. I think they they started as a bit. Oh, right, okay. And yeah. then um, I think I think it was Myers' wife at the time kind of encouraged him to, uh, to kind of embrace the character a little bit. And sure. so when he did, he brought them in. And um, and so they oh. play in all of the movies, so which is interesting. Um, but yeah, they're they're responsible for the little. Oh, I, I love I love their little their little bits, even the their short and like in this movie, but more so like in the mm. in the future sequels as well, like like either mm. during the movie or over the credits, you'll get like a song, like yeah. like in this over the over the credits, you got the BBC song, yeah. um, and later on you you know you've got like Daddy, I can't remember, but it's like Daddy, Daddy wasn't home or something. There's all these other yeah yeah I don't know, it's so many different songs. Very oh that's great. I um I really like the the soundtrack. Like so you got, you know, you got some more noticeable things like the divinals and stuff. Cool. So when they and they're all generally it's situational. So like you know, I touch myself by the divinals. It's a I, song everybody knows, I but say, it's like, also in uh, being used quirkily in the in the movie. Yeah, as like well. it, it, yeah. it adds to the humor and the fun of the scene. Yeah. It's ridiculous. I gotta say, like these songs obviously standing the test of time because mm. I mean I messaged you today mm-hmm. before you know whilst I was still at work and I was like mate. I've already heard three songs on the radio, <laughs> on commercial radio, that were in in Austin Powers like last night that I was watching. Like, yeah. and one of them was I touched myself, and I, all I could think when I'm sitting there trying to do my work, trying to work hard, make a living, and all I can <laughs> picture is Austin Powers in his in his underwear, just, oh. just dancing, just Mike Myers dancing with that. It's amazing, man. Mop on his chest. <laughs> it's oh, so gross. It's so, <laughs> so amazing. So so amazing. Um, I really like the Burt Baccarat. Part you know when they're in the top of the bus and they're yeah. like, and, he, and he basically breaks the, the yeah ladies like, and gentlemen yeah. Mr. Burt Bacharach and it just cuts to him like, no oh, it's, it's great gross. it's good stuff. and that song like that song's actually become almost like the signature song that's obviously not Sopranos <laughs> but like yeah. the signature song throughout the series like it's from the third one there's a whole like montage thing at the end of the credits with this song right and it's sort of you know, clips of like this, the franchise so far and, and bits and yeah. pieces. Like, it's yeah, it's it's, it's, it's cool. a good song. It, it works well, and they they use it well here and they use it well late, later as well. So it's, it's good stuff. So yeah, thoroughly enjoy the soundtrack and the score. I mean, it's I mean we didn't really say who it was too, did we? George S. Clinton. So yeah. we've already mentioned him before on a previous review, Mortal Kombat, um, Santa Claus series. You know, like we're not talking a not a not a composer who develops you know highly recognizable themes, but Still, you know, there's no, there's nothing really to pick or pull apart or say anything it's, bad about. I it mean, does what it does. It's a, uh, it's a sound. Uh, the type of soundtrack for this movie mm. is not exactly what it needs for this movie. Like, you know, this movie isn't doing anything where it's like, hey, we're trying to, you know, make an artistic you know, film with, you know, like aesthetics that are getting us, you know, Academy Award nominations and stuff. And there's mm. not a soundtrack to go with it on that level. It's 
there's energy, there's tender moments. Yeah. But you know, like there's there's a bit of creativity in terms of what he's actually yeah. given us and it works. I think so too. Like you said, not overly iconic, but I gotta mm-hmm. say, if if you played a, a piece of the Doctor Evil theme or, you know, the Austin yeah. Powers sort of moments or the you know yeah. him and, and Vanessa, it's like yeah, I'd probably recognise it and I'd tell you. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm not probably because sure I know the movie so much, yeah, but yeah. yeah. I'm not sure if I would recognise it, but I definitely, you know, when you're watching it, you're like, yeah, it, it matches it. It does yeah. what it needs to do for sure. And if we're talking uh, the soundtrack, let's go back to that. I've just put here a note, which is my observation. Generally speaking, every, all the songs, it's all funky, psychedelic stuff, and which clearly suits the tone. That's It's very well curated soundtrack, I think. Um, now, it's time to kind of move into the next phase of the podcast, but it might be a good time to have a bit of a break. What do you think? I'm up for it if you are. Yep, cool. All right, well, we will be right back. Hi, I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. And we are the guys from Nut Film Stew. Do you like movie reviews and want to keep up to date with the latest in movie and TV news? Then Nut Film Stew is the podcast for you. Join us every two weeks for some good times, laughs and firm opinions on the things we love. That's right. There's a new podcast released every two weeks on iTunes and SoundCloud. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as That Film Stew Podcast. Man, we are back. Okay, we've talked about music we've talked about legacy let's talk about characters what do you reckon which one well i'm gonna start with <laughs> austin danger powers is that played a, by mark myers is actually his little name i, I know, know he says he is it's on the freaking wiki in the imdb so i'm sticking with it it's even on the fandom page Ooh. yeah come on but is it the wiki <laughs> yeah it is the wiki <laughs> fandom page um now Mike Myers, he created what we kind of talked about. We can kind of go through some of this quickly. Um, he created a character following stint with Saturday Night Live in the 90s. Um, and it's a member of the faux 1960s rock band Ming T, who do perform. His wife encouraged him to write the film about the character, and that's where it went. And yeah, I mentioned there that the band actually does perform in all three movies in some ways. And for this movie, it's in the credits, and they play BBC, which is so good. BBC One. Two. BBC Two. Was it? And then BBC Seven. Yeah. BBC Heaven. <laughs> it's so great. Mister. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Will you? <laughs> um, Bring me tea. <laughs> so Myers, when he was talking about developing the character, because like I said, it was in SNL kind of before any of this, um, but he said it's a tribute to his dad. So his dad was who was the one who introduced Myers to all of these things. You know, the, oh, yeah. the spy genre, the kind of, comedy around that time and all that kind of thing so he really kind of puts it out there saying you know it, it, it's not a tribute as a caricature of his father just more and like an homage to the things that his dad showed him that's so. actually really heartfelt like that's yeah, yeah it's like hmm. all these things my dad loved i'm gonna like participate and i'm create gonna create a persona involved. around it yeah that encapsulates all of those wonderful things Absolutely. And, and, i mean clearly like myers obviously Grew up watching um, and experiencing and, mm. and all that, like and listening to like Beatles, obviously watching yeah. James Bond, the goodies works by like Peter Sellers, yeah, um, and all of that. Peter yeah. Cook, Dudley Moore, like that satire uh, performance, yeah, yeah, very British, very sixties and seventies. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, I'd, your 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 folks are both Aussie through and through, aren't they? Ah, oh, Kiwi fifty percent, yeah, Aussie for the other fifty, but no, not much British in them. No, not it's really. Like, not for a few generations. Not since they sent us out here on the boats, probably. <laughs> like, I grew up 
with you know like my stepdad being you know very British and English, yeah. and you know he's probably the one that he's the reason I listen to like the Beatles and you know like I got involved with like yeah a lot of British stuff. I mean here in Australia like we've got a lot of British influence anyway, so we've got all of that under our belt. Well, they were the ones holding the lashes and the whips, so yeah, probably. Probably. <laughs> all that <laughs> international listeners are like. <laughs> By the way, I'm married to a lovely British expat. So anyway, well, there you go. There you go. Um, but yeah, no. Anyway, <laughs> um, we, you know, some, we often often kind of absorb culture and, and stuff through parents of things. Mm. For me, it was um, my old man's Aussie as you can get. Um, it was like ACDC and stuff like that. Yeah, but then sure. you know, Beatles was in there as well, and so oh, like, things were, like you know, yeah, Don McLean and bloody um, you know um, the Eagles and stuff. So yeah. But so in this regard, yeah, Myers was, you know, had that connection through the, you know, the 60s stuff with the Beatles and, and all that, the comedians and the Spire stuff. That's probably why. That's um, probably why he thinks that Austin Powers is his, you know, best, most favourite character because he's got that such mm. an emotional tie to it. But let's, if we talk about his character as mm. such, you know, on the surface, like I said before, you know, like he's genuinely a good <laughs> he's a good spy yeah. at no point does this movie like make him seem like a bit of a aloof or a dope if yeah. anything you know there's the man out of time sort of element yeah which is actually more uh, of the serious side of this movie as opposed to oh, when, know, when he has those moments when he you know yeah. he really feels like he's a fish out of water and he's getting like, teased when he's sitting there and stuff they but, don't yeah. really they don't really play with that and make fun of his character in doing that, they do mm. use that as a tool for sincerity and, and being yeah. like, like, no, this guy, everyone he's known is pretty much dead. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't understand this world and the mm. culture and how things have changed and, you know, like the world... That funny, that funny line where he's like, you know, he's basically celebrating communism and then he gets told that communism didn't win. And he's like, all oh, right, good. Capitalism, yay. <laughs> capitalism. But and he's just like, yeah, he, just, he doesn't know. He's coming. He just assumed. He just yeah. assumed. He's like, well, <laughs> this must have happened. But, the, you know, there's heaps. It, it, there's a line in this movie where this is probably like the whole theme of this, of this film. It's like mm. from the 60s where it was like it was free love, um, reigning freedom, no consequences. Yeah. And now it's like the complete opposite. And even Doctor Evil says, you know, like it's those things are considered evil now, and that's the yeah. irony. Yeah. Although he, um, Austin Powers does come around to kind of reflect and appreciate it, like he does say, you know, there's a line between something like responsibility. I can't remember the line. Yeah, exactly, it's like he's like, you know, they you, were having fun. They were, you know, yeah. that's something to be celebrated. And but then he's like, but now it's like you have responsibility. Why are you doing? We were still we're still doing that, but we're being responsible. Yeah, and that's the, and it's like, whoa. Hmm. So he's trying to say something, and of course, and like is, that yeah. whole scene is just literally a piss take on, like you know, like when the when the hero and the villain just like exchange monologues, yeah. <laughs> talk about philosophies and all yeah, that kind of stuff. But at the same time, whilst they're doing that and taking the piss, they are actually delivering. They're actually having know, a sincere conversation absolutely. about the themes of this film and and yeah. what things are trying to say. And that's what I love about this character. Mm. Um, you know, like yeah, like he's he's loud and obnoxious, and you know he's he's. <laughs> The horniest being yeah. you'll ever probably meet, and you know, hyper horny, just wants to have sex with everything. Yeah, but do you know what? All of that—that's all happening. But then you get the, you know, the scene where him and Vanessa go out on a night in the town. You get Bert mm. Bacharach playing the tunes. Yeah, they they come back to the hotel room and they're like, you know, like, 
Vanessa's off her chops. She's, she's <laughs> yeah. had how many bottles of champagne? And, yeah. You know, like she's obviously starting to see the you know, the good side of him and, you mm. know, whatever her mother saw back in the day. And I guess what everyone else in the world was seeing, yeah. you know, the, the women wanted to be with him and all the men wanted to be him, all that kind of stuff. She yeah. was starting to see it. But because she was, she was drunk. He was like, no, 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 no. Because the way that he's, you know, portrayed up until then is you kind of assume that he will go, oh, yep. He'll just get it done, yeah. I'll take advantage of that. Not in an evil way, just in a way of I'm just so obscenely horny that I couldn't say no. Because it's like... And then you have the moment... It's what you do. It's like, sex is fun. Let's have fun. That's what it is. It's it's, He's not a bad guy. Mm. But at the same time, there's something, there's a moment like that where it's like, He's a good guy. He's yeah. really a good guy. And I think that seems really important for his character. Yeah. Because he's not just a horn dog who's, you know, no. doing and doing his... He's not played as an idiot. No. Um, the, the man out of time stuff is actually quite sincere and serious. Yeah. Um, and he's genuinely a decent bloke. Like, which is, which is pretty... He's just pretty good. He's a tip-top bloke. I, I, I agree. I Fantastic agree. dress sense. Do you, know, I mean, do you know who isn't a tip-top bloke? It's also Mike Myers, but it's Dr. Evil. But do you know what? Just fantastic character. Fun, oh, I love it. It's fun, great. Amazing, it's great. iconic, memorable. Now, right. I'm not sure if we... I've got a little note here next to uh, Dr. Evil's name. His name is Douglas. His surname is Powers. <laughs> well, it's not even in this movie, but I thought <laughs> yeah. I'd just flag it. So, like, if you just Wikipedia his character. Yeah. Spoiler for this movie. Spoiler for this movie. Oh, and, spoiler for the third movie. Really. Yeah. He is actually Austin Powers' brother, but we're not going to talk about that here. Go watch the movies. You'll figure it out. It's all fine. It's his well, twin brother, too. Now, Hopefully, um, you, you have seen the third one. <laughs> it came out in 2002. Sort yourself out if you haven't seen it. Yeah, you've had 19 years. Yeah. You've had 19 years. <laughs> that was very quick with mathematics. Very we, well we, oh, I said it earlier. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Very, very good. Now, Dr. Evil's appearance, his bald head, his suit, scar of his eye, cat on his lap, that kind of thing. It's based on... Bond's arch nemesis Ernst Stavro Blofeld. Blofeld. Just call him Blofeld. Blofeld. <laughs> so, bad guy. Bad guy. Um, who was actually portrayed by um, Donald Pleasance um, in uh, You Only Live Twice, 1967. Yeah. So, so he's, like the, he's like the leader of like, Spectre. Right. So, oh, that uh, makes sense. Yeah, they kind of created like a... They didn't, they didn't bring him back, though, did they? I think he's a bit in trouble, things. And I kind of think in... It's a different, different name, title, though. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I think in the, in the Spectre movie, doesn't that guy end up being Blofeld? But it was like... No, but it's not the same name, is it? Yeah, I think they were trying to hide it, but really it was him. I yeah. can't remember. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> don't don't add us, don't email in. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll go back to the Wikipedia pages. Now, now, I wanted to say um, a little bit of trivia here and a bit of irony as well. Now, Pleasance... Pleasance, Pleasance, um, Donald Pleasance, whoever it is, um, starred in the Halloween um, slasher franchise between 1978 and 1995, where his arch nemesis was named Michael Myers. So the bad guy from the movie that they're spoofing, uh, the actor that did that, his arch nemesis was Mike Myers in the Halloween things. So just an interesting little turnaround. I'm, I'm just trying to dissect that and be like, is there irony there? I'm gonna I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> Do you know why I say, I say it's irony? Because that's what IMDB said. All so right. that's why it's <laughs> ironic. Oh. I find it an amazing coincidence. Okay. Now uh, his voice and mannerisms are based on uh longtime Saturday Night Live um, executive producer Lorne Michaels, who I'm not familiar with, but 
I've read that in three or four different locations, and so I'm assuming it is correct. So I just assume this this one Michael just walks around and it's just like right. <laughs> and okay. apparently, so according to um, uh, Elizabeth Taylor, um, and according to I think the producer of this movie, um, one of the executive, I can't remember who it was, but they were saying that they um, that guy Lorne or whatever his name is absolutely hated. <laughs> Absolutely hated that he was uh, oh, an inspiration for him. No, for embrace that stuff, man. But this, I mean, Doctor Evil, great. I mean, I'm glad that they, out of all the Bond villains they possibly could have mm. tried to base him, I think Blofeld works as both that iconic sort of, mm-hmm. like really like the arch nemesis of Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also works in this as just like a, you know, cold appearance. It just seems like an evil villain from yeah. the 60s, you know, from that time. So when you bring him into the present, it's sort of like... He stands out and he looks like he looks like the leader of this group of you know when there's a group of just henchmen and bandits all that kind of stuff just sitting there yeah. he looks like the guy in charge he even does. though he's probably the dumbest one see this is where, where, is where the very parody dumb. where the parody as much as Austin Powers as a character was very competent and it's like Doctor Evil is really incompetent oh and they and they point it out they show it they show it multiple times yeah. like how stupid he is like when, there's physical jokes there's there's dialogue that there's dialogue all yeah. The time. Particularly between him and his son, we'll talk about that um, here in a second. It was actually originally um, so Myers wasn't intending on actually acting twice in this movie. He wanted um, Jim Carrey to take the role, but Jim Carrey he was already filming Lie Liar and couldn't commit. So, which Lie Liar came out in the same movie, uh, same year. Sorry, it all um, worked for the better. Lie Liar, great movie. This movie, amazing movie. That yeah, and this movie, great movie. Absolutely. It's all worked movie. out. It's all worked out very well. Um, and then clearly, uh, you know, the trend was set from that for the, the sequels where we've got Myers re- um, reprising the two roles but then also expanding on, on new characters further down the road. It's really, like, I found it really weird watching this movie and I know obviously it's, it is what it is but it's like, mm. I already mentioned, like, you know, Mini-Me's not in this movie. Right. But it's like, it's like, no fat bastard. <laughs> yeah. It was just kind of odd to not have all these extra Mike Myers characters. Like, mm. it was just the two. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Now, I've Not got, that he played Minnie Me, don't get me wrong, obviously I know that. Now I've got a confession, right, and I was waiting to this little moment to say it. I actually didn't know when I first watched this movie the first few times that Mike Myers was Dr. Evil. That's completely fair, I reckon. I, the, the, and the two for sure. Although you were, young, you, were, you were older than me, so maybe not as much. Oh, I was still in, I was in high school, but early high school. Yeah. I like how they, you know, like obviously... When you first meet Doctor Evil, it's like they hide his face for a lot of yeah. Them. So it's like, but that's a trope in itself. So that's a uh, and Doctor No, I think they did that. But again, it works for yeah. like this because it's like mm. you just never see him. And then when they are on screen together, obviously they use some camera tricks and all that kind of stuff. But there's this one shot, and I, I can never tell if it's intentionally bad or uh, like when he walks past him and it's like. I wrote down that I thought it was intentionally bad because it's like I, a I completely was like, different shape. To do it. Yeah. <laughs> And it's and it focuses on him like I think yeah. yeah. And the same way as you got you have him in the foreground, what is that and you have the, the the set the stand in behind looking at the camera but blurred, and you're like, you can tell that's not Mike Myers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But they've uh, I think I think that was just part of that just that level of the depth that they've gone to to really parody things and mm. really put it in your face that but it always is really, not a natural world. It always just really say that like enjoy the show, Mister Powers, and he's walked past. It's just like. You have a cone head. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, 
Your very round head is now very misformed. We could be incredibly, like, very, very incorrect, and some poor extra or some guy who's got his chance to stand in is now being critiqued by the shape of his Also, head. his fault. It's whoever cast him and thought he was the right fit for the right. standing. Probably Myers. Who, who knows? All right, so that, that's Dr. Evil. I mean, oh, is there anything else you want to add before we move on? I mean, looking is just really funny. It's um, hilarious. Dude, yeah, like the things he's saying, they're just... To, in any movie, whether it's a comedy or not, like to have a hero and a villain mm. um, and have almost equal screen time and get good value from both scenes that you're getting, yeah, that's a successful hero-villain story and that's you what you get here. Like I'm having as much fun, if not more, with the Dr. Evil scenes and him interacting with people, whether it's Scott mm. or like... <laughs> you know, Will Ferrell, like whoever, number two, uh, yeah. um, or just him by himself, just being weird. You know, like just yeah. and just subtle moments. You know, things that will just play as like, essentially, it could just play like a like a little skit or something. You know, like a, a mm-hmm. Saturday night live like sketch or something. It, it, it works. Well, it's it, interesting it you say that because I think that's that's really how I interpret this movie, particularly now. A whole bunch of skits, like, just, just, like just yeah. pieced together. Even punctuated by those like psychedelic moments mm. where you just see Mike Myers staring at the camera going, I've previously critiqued a movie and used like I guess that kind of being like, it's just a bunch of skits pieced together in a negative way. And yeah. I've said, that's all this movie is. Whereas in this movie it's literally doing the same thing. I think it wants but, to do that, though. It yeah, but to do that. Yeah. there's a there's a through line and it's working. I mean, look, Unknown Surface is a very simple story. And again, it's like a very generic sort of old school mm. Bond thing. Evil guy, Kate takes the world hostage. You know, hero spied, so tries to save the day, you know, infiltrates and you know, takes him down. Yeah. That's this movie. That's in a, in a nutshell. <laughs> um, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> I mean, it's so, it's so big. Uh, what is with this nut? Uh, seen a nut? Anyway, um, utter random hilariousness. Yeah, it, it's there's I don't know. It just works as a story, but yeah, you're yeah. right. Like it is just different scenes with gags and stuff going on, yeah. but it's coherent. <laughs> it's, it's coherent, crazy. That's what it is. Coherent, crazy. Um, all right, let's move on to female lead of the movie, Vanessa Kensington, played by Elizabeth Hurley, who was. My age when she would made this movie, she's thirty-five. You're oldest. Oh no, sorry, no, 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 no. She wasn't thirty-five. She was thirty-one. Um, I, I'm giving you a wrong fact. That's she was, my age. No, so <laughs> I was reading this stat from something else. But yeah, no, yeah, she was thirty-one years old. She doesn't look thirty-one, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I thought she might have been a little bit older. But anyway, um, she has she has that sort of like. Unique look to where we, we, I wonder if this was like, pre or post warning because he would have he'd make somebody look a bit older than they usually are. Pretty stressed around there. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, no, not in a negative way at all, but like, like he did look older, but not in again, not in a negative way. She just do, doesn't look like someone yeah. in their 20s, I guess. Not, it's not, I mean, she's not, she's not, but I mean, 30s, but I'm saying she doesn't 
There are people in their 30s who look like they're in their 20s, sort of thing. Correct. She doesn't look like she's in their 20s. Yes. So therefore, it's like... And you have people like me who are in their 30s who look like they're in their 40s. So Yeah, and I look like I'm 12. So it's fine. You are a child. <laughs> um, now, um, so she's based on a couple of characters, but uh, primarily based on uh, Miss Money Penny's younger assistant, Penelope Smallbone, in the movie Octopussy. Now, she really, 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 really liked her black leather outfits. So did Mimi Rogers. And with special permission, she was actually allowed to take them home. Good for her. Good yeah. stuff. I'm you know, uh, Elizabeth Hurley in this movie, mm. I feel like I've... Here's what happened. Here's what happened to me as a child. Okay. Hang All on, right. let me just get comfortable. <laughs> All right. All right, Heather Graham but, in The Spy Who Shagged Me. Yes. Probably, probably had some sort of involvement in my sexual awakening. As a, as a young person, I'm just going to put Possibly. It. Possibly. A correct age, I guess. So when when I, you know, growing up, always comparing the two, you know, female leads, and don't get me started on Beyonce. That's a whole different thing. But, um, you know, it's Beyonce. It is what it is. Oh. <laughs> but Heather Graham versus Elizabeth Hurley. 2002 I was always, Beyonce, too. I, see. I was always, you know, like, Elizabeth Hurley's got nothing. Um, growing up into a, a young adult person. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Hurley, like, man, I think she's grown on me over time, like, where, you know, I'd watch this now, but damn. She's, like, utter she, gorgeousness. Like, a, yeah, like, gorgeous human being. Crazy. Um, and there's moments in this where, you know, when she's stern and, like, serious, I'm like, oh, this kind of, you know, reminds me of a teacher and kind of smiles <laughs> a bit. But then there's moments where she's genuinely, like, she's smiling and yeah. I'm not saying that smiling makes her go pretty up, but, but no, like, she <laughs> just, when she's happy and, like, her hair's a little bit different, like, I'm like, well, like, what is this? Like, what is happening that plus she's you know she's playing very plain she's obviously playing very british mm. she's british over here. <laughs> i don't know i think she is well she does a good job at it so let's just say she is yeah i'm pretty i'm pretty sure but um oh my God, if i'm wrong like it's completely bugger <laughs> anyway like a fun character you know like uh, i'm playing on that you know the, the, the bond girl trope like it mm. fits into it yeah but again she is that voice of reason representing the 90s mm. and the women of the 90s and stuff and being like, yeah, we don't do that stuff anymore. Like, this mm. is not appropriate. She calls them out. She, she does. Out she calls them out multiple times. Um, and he respects her. No, he doesn't. He kind of doesn't. He kind of doesn't. Like, he respects her when she's drunk. He still flirts like, fuck, all the time. <laughs> it is so, it's crazy. Anyway, she does a good job at standing her ground. Now, let's talk about number two. By Robert Wagner. Oh, I thought Wagner. he was listing a number, like number two. Number two, what? Yeah, yeah number two. The, the character number two, which I really, really, I like that that in itself. So you've got, you know, you got that the the, the previous bloke. Um, Bluffield. Random, random task. Oh, random task. You know, name, just playing on the name. Number two is playing on that uh, that overall trope of just. Like if the bad guy is the number the bag, one, like my number yeah, two man. Yeah, yeah. correct. Um, doesn't even need a name. Doesn't even, doesn't <laughs> have, it just is simply the number two of the organisation. Now, he's based on um, Emilio Largo, um, is a henchman um, to Blowfield. He's commonly referred to the code name by the code, um, by the code name Number One. And that was in a whole bunch of nom- um, novels and films. It reprises a role. He also has an eye patch and all of that stuff. Yeah, similar, very similar look. It, I I really like this character in that he. Like he is the brains of it. He yes. in in the time that Doctor Who has been away, he's managed to turn the organisation into something epic, productive, mm-hmm. uh, financially stable, all of that. Yeah. And then Doctor Evil just comes along and he's just like, let's take over the world. Mm-hmm. And it's like the bit at the end, like, 
there is no world anymore. It's just corporations. Yeah. And then he even has this moment where he's been serious this whole time. And then he's like, I've had enough. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. I, I like it because he's, he's basically, yeah, you can tell he doesn't like working for his boss and he... In, in that moment, he tries to bloody betray him as well yeah. and stuff. Oh, but, again, another yeah. another missing scene is like he, mm-hmm. at the end there, like he actually offers Austin Powers like money and the briefcase. That was in my version. Oh, what the hell yeah. is yeah, that that was, in, that was in my version. So, <laughs> so I mean, no, he offers, yeah, he storms in and says, like, no, like, I've had enough. And well, then, I watched it was like, it was like, I have a proposal for you, um, Mr. Powers. And then he walks, he walks, he sits down, and then Dr. Evil just presses the button and he goes, oh, that's, that's, yeah, that's the cut. <laughs> what is happening? Oh, you've, been, you've watched a censored version of this. I don't know. No, because there's heaps of crazy stuff in there. Yeah, right. Interesting. Weird. Well, anyway, no, so in the version I watched, he definitely gets the briefcase full of cash and he yeah. opens it up and he starts talking about how he's going to take over everything because he just is over, is sick and tired of Dr. Evil. Yeah. And then Dr. Evil puts him down in the shoot. Yeah, yeah. Burns him and kills him. It's almost more well, warranted. kills him and kills him until the second movie comes along, but he's <laughs> back yeah, without explanation. Yeah. And then who else can we talk about? You've got Scott Evil, played by Seth Green. Yes. So the son. The son. The, the I guess, the IVF child. So yeah. you, you yeah. find out later in the, in the series, it's a spoiler. Um, but, but now you give the spoiler. <laughs> um, but no, it's a, no, no, you find out in this movie that he's a son. But you don't know who his mum is. Yeah, but then you, yeah, in the second one you find out that it's um, Farrah Babishna. Yes, which who, you're going to say that name because I, I can't. Yeah, I can't yeah, 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 about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Scott, some, Scott some Green. Time travel hijinks. Scott Green. <laughs> Scott Evil, played by Seth Green. Um, he is basically, my interpretation is he's there to be like a cliche stereotype around that generation. Yeah. Um, you know, grungy music, skateboarding, all of that. But they also they also use him as well, especially towards the end. Um, like he points out the flaws in, I guess, like that yes. typical Bond villain character, where it's like, and just kill him now, grab a gun, shoot him. What's look, with I'll all get the it. I've got a gun in my room. I'm yeah. gonna get it. So, what's with the theatrics? What's with all the, the you know? What's the big show? What's this for? So that that's Ooh, a, get it done. That's the big example I wanted to point out about um, how they do they do show how stupid Doctor Evil is, and they generally <laughs> will do it through other characters. Um, in this case, you know. Um, talking about Scott Evil, he is just clearly giving cheek to his dad saying, you're an idiot. Why are you doing this? I will just go get a gun. Don't let him escape. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. And then at the same time, Dr. Evil is kind of explaining that he is purposefully giving. He's <laughs> like, what, what? Like, yeah, easily escapable, uh, you know, trap yeah. that um, I'm just going to assume went to plan. What? Yeah, what? went to plan. Whatever. Just leave me alone, man. Leave me alone. So, they use, obviously, they use the character to do that, but it also gives a bit of it gives Dr. Evil something to do mm. whilst he's waiting, I guess, for stuff to sort of happen with his plan and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, he, he's got this relationship with this with this estranged... Well, estranged, he's never met him. Like, yeah. It's something he's never been there his whole life. You know, they go to a... They go to a support group. <laughs> Carrie Fisher has this, like... So amazing. Weirdly, oddly placed cameo. Yeah. Um, She's uncredited, too. Oh, is she uncredited? Yeah. Uncredited. But the, like the whole monologue with from uh, Doctor Evil, you know, talking about his origin and you know, mm. um, being raised by this like Dutch family, and you know, his father was insolent or something, and like mm. something about his left nut. Or something. I don't know what he's saying. Like it was just lots. There's a lot happening in that. There's just a lot going on. There's a lot to unpack. There. <laughs> There's a lot to unpack. Um, 
But you learn a lot, and it's just that final line from Carrie Fisher where it's just like, we're going to have to stop. (laughs) (laughs) And I I like the relationship between um, Scott and, and Dr. Evil, like, away from that therapy session, like, where... You know, like Doctor Evil tries to get a hug, and he's like, "Come, come to me," and he's like standing with his yeah. arms out, and it's just so pitiful and yeah, like out like, of place and weird. He and... is sort of like a like like a Frankenstein type thing. Yeah. He's like, he's like so yeah, big, he's broad he's like, why, why are you, yeah, why are you walking away like a Frankenstein? But he's walking out like his arms. Yeah. Like this. But then, so he's weird and just crazy, and then you've got Scott who actually just plays it quite literally the way we would, anyone would be like, mm. "Go away, leave me alone." Leave me alone. Yeah, he plays like he's playing like a like a teenager really well. It's like, yeah, we did this. We were just kind of like we were just like we mucking around. It. it was like it was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> like he's proud of his shitty day that he had. Yeah, like, yeah, that was cool. Like we just we just mucked around. Yeah. It was all good. That was my day. Is that what you want in life? Like, is that, what you... <laughs> <laughs> so, is that how you like to live your life? Yeah. And clearly, it's yes. Clearly, in your yes. version, was there was there a titty film on hmm. uh, what, what was it called? He referred to like something like. Yes. Tim yes. Max or something? I don't know. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, there was. And it wasn't like an alternative, like a porno one or something. I heard that was a different thing, but I got the... No, no those things too. I got the Titty Max one. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it was called. I'm very confused by the different versions there. It's weird, me? man. It's weird. It's weird. Right. I um, like it. <laughs> now, I had some trivia here. Anything? Oh, yeah. Really quick one. Um, the uh, Mike Myers and Seth Green um, improvised the shushing scene, like the hands closing and the... Oh, yeah. That's nice. That would have been good fun. Too. Well, I heard apparently in this movie, like, I can't remember the percentage, but like a large chunk of this movie is just improv. Yeah, that's Which, what I've seen in the notes when I was re- um, comedies. researching all. I mean, these com- comedians are freaking talented. You know, it's amazing. We spoke, I know you don't want to say names, so I'll say it. So, Frau Barbisna. Yep, her. by Mindy Sterling. Yes. Um, yeah, we do find out eventually that she ends up being the genetic mother of Scott. So, they obviously, they build on the relationship between her and Dr. Evil later on. But for this movie, she very much is just one of... Just henchmen. One of the henchmen. Henchwoman. Like, sitting at the table, seat at the table sort of thing. She has some of the... The very small moments that she's in, she has some of the best moments. She's just screaming. Oh, it's amazing! I, I like just because even <laughs> even even Doctor Evil's like whoa, like yeah. reacts like flinches. Everyone flinches in the room, and you're like, wow, she's way over the top. Yeah, it's crazy. And she even has the beer <laughs> like with the. Oh, look at Charles, oh, look at my Charles. Uh, yeah. So that's <laughs> like, that, that was improvised as well. That, <laughs> From her, from yeah, his so, well Yeah, so that oh, was um, yeah, so completely off the cuff and it, yeah, it yeah. works out so, so well. So she was based on Rosa Klebb yep. um, from Spectre number three from the What's James Bond film Russia with Love. Russia with Love, that's the one. Um, yep. And Irma Blunt. From On Her Majesty's Secret Servant. Yes. So she's got a heavy German accent and her mm-hmm. running gag is obviously her shouting. Yeah. Um, and with usually uh, an emphasis usually put on the last syllable, causing everyone to freak the fuck out. Which they <laughs> which they do. Now I really, really I tell you what, I had a massive like little giggle laugh out loud moment when um so you know, when all the henchmen are being introduced about who they are and stuff. And then um, Dr. Evil's talking about her and he says she's from the militant wing of the Salvation Army. <laughs> I like, yeah. I, I don't know why, but I just love that line. But it's like, if you're, it's not so really, good. if you're not really listening to that, it just sounds like he's just talking about, like, you know, uh, you know military background from whatever. Blah, blah, yeah. If you listen, that's the, the creativity of the writing in this where it's like, he's literally said, like, the military part of... Salvation the, one of the greatest army. charities <laughs> yeah, the, like, the, the, the world's ever seen. Yeah, because they need a militant wing. Oh, amazing! It, it's it's good. It's good. Now, 
So what what can we move on to now? Oh, last one, I guess, really. Um, Basil Exposition. Don't really need to talk to him other, other than say it was Michael York, did a good job, absolutely died with laughter when his mum gets punched. And, and not just that, that moment. God, man, that's my mother. Yes, that, that moment. <laughs> his, so Basil's reaction to it, Michael York, the way that he uh, just is like, what are you doing? Why? It's my mother. Austin, that's, that's my, my mother. That's my mother, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, but um, so he's based on M, as you can guess, you know, like someone who's kind of the supervisor pulling the strings, yeah. kind of taking care of all that stuff. Um, <laughs> I love how you, there's, there's one point that you wrote here. His purpose in the film literally is to live up to his name. Yes, that's it. <laughs> he just explains it's shit. exposition, yeah. Um, and, but it's, it's perfect. It's an absolute, like, perfect way of, you know, that, that in-your-face spoofing of, of all this stuff, but it's it's so in-your-face that it's all, it's almost respecting it, saying, like, this component is required. Yeah. Here he is. Off he goes. We own it. No, I think later on they kind of use his character also as like, um, also like as a Q type character, you know, like yeah. with like the gadgets and like the, the vehicles and all that kind of stuff. Not as much in this movie, but no, later. Because yeah. there is a moment where it's like, you know, like with like the toothpaste and stuff and oh, it's yeah. sort of like the exchange of like, you know, Austin is expecting it to be a gadget mm. sort of discussion, but it's not. But that's, and through that, the, the floss is like yeah, it's through Vanessa, so not yeah. through him anyway. But yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's like he's funny. Like he in the part that he's in, it, like it, that's his purpose. It really is. Yeah, you know, it, it works. I think so too. Some other characters. I, I, we could we can pretty much kind of wrap it up through here. But you get um, Mustafa, Mustafa, Mustafa. Yeah, played by Will Ferrell. Now, you know what? I didn't recognise him. Yeah. I was like, I was like, well, he's in blackface. Kind well, of, yeah, or brown face. They couldn't do that anymore. I they definitely couldn't do away with but that. You know what? I yeah. haven't, I've never been the biggest fan of Will Ferrell. I've, I've made that clear before. He has grown on me, Will Ferrell. Like, a, like an unwanted mole, he has grown on me. No reference to the mole guy. By the way, I thought yeah. he was in this movie. And then <laughs> the mole guy. I was surprised funny. when he wasn't there. I was like, what? Oh, oh, moly, Um... <laughs> Like, Will Ferrell, yeah, has been growing on me, and there's been some movies recently where I've been like, okay, I've, I've enjoyed what he's doing. Yeah. But for the longest time, it was, I really do not like Will Ferrell. Right. Except for his role as Mustafa. Oh, really? In this movie and in the next one. <laughs> <laughs> just, this, just this scene. I mean, it's just yeah. like, I'm very badly burned. Yeah. I, and he see, gets shot, and he's like, you I shot me in the arm. This, oh, man. <laughs> you shot me. And then yeah, it's hilarious in the next ones as well. But yeah, he is he is he is he's a bit he's a bit bronzed up, that's for sure. Um I actually I wasn't a big fan of him at all through this era. It was more when I saw him in other things like serious not serious, but just different. When he was taking things a bit more seriously, like Strangers in Fiction. That's when I started going, Oh, oh he's yeah. got a bit more range than just being a fool. <laughs> um but yeah, oh, well, people. I mean, people love him. You know, Step Brothers and oh, yeah. Anchorman and, and stuff like people like Elf. That's not this era though. Like, that's a little bit later. That's a bit later, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. yeah don't don't oh, don't rely on my my no, interpretation yeah, of time. Like the two thousands and stuff. Yeah, I think this era was. I mean, the reason he is it's such a small role. It's like it's SNL. Like yeah, it's just it's just the team. Bring your mates along. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, we've got um, you got a lot of Fajana, played by Fabiana uh, Udenio. Just she's cliche Bond girl kind of person. <laughs> I mean, he, she's a she's a Zenya on top, except her main her main um, scene here. You know, like the um, mm. they're doing reconnaissance with you know, over there, and you know the, the thing with the with the 
the spa and all that. Yeah. It's like, that's one of those deep cut, like, Bond things where, like, yeah. you're not if you do it, but if you don't, you just think it's, mm. like, a scene. Mm. It is weird, though, that, like, her apartment kind of looks like somewhere in Japan. It does. It's a bit weird. But anyway. It does. Ah, but look, like, we get a weird, awkward, tantalising scene. <laughs> tantalising on one side. <laughs> Hairy mop chest on the other. It's oh, weird. He is but, uh, <laughs> so hairy. It's gross. Um, and it's not real, obviously. You also got Patty O'Brien. It's played by Paul Dillon. That's the Irish Lucky Charms bloke. Always after me, Lucky Charms. It's hilarious. And that whole scene, and I can't remember the bloke. It's another SNL dude who's the... Oh, the American the cowboy did. Yeah. But that scene about just like he's coming out the vans, he's getting dunked, and it's like, who is number two? Who does number two work for? Oh, like, yeah. Like, so you tell him, you tell don't him. Don't force him, man. Busting up. Like, about a courtesy flush. And then, what did you eat? And then, yeah. But yeah, yeah what did you eat when he's literally a human being upside down, drowned in the toilet? That's, but, a, that's a whole great sequence, actually, there, like with the toilet. Like, yeah. Where it's, you know, even just before when they're, they're chit chatting at the sink, and it's like, well, you get up, and it's like, are you in the show? It's like, no, I'm English. Oh, sorry. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it's a pretty, a pretty, a pretty well made, made sequence, and that that in itself, uh, the whole coming out events and stuff, that's meant to be a a, a like a reflection or reference that's to Golden Eye and stuff. I know that is in one of it might be the second Bond movie again. I can't remember which ah. one, but yeah, there's heaps, there's heaps of stuff, especially from the very, very early. And I'm sure there's more because mm. I've got to watch like five, six, seven. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll get to them, I'll get to them. But there's so much. Like, yeah, there's a scene where they're like one of the Bond villains is like literally, it's the same thing. Like, they open the wall up <laughs> and then they attack Bond. Mm. Like, they attack him. Uh, I was like, what? Like, he's on the toilet. Well, I guess, I guess, yeah, in Goldeneye, he's doing the attacking from in the toilet, not the other way around. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that makes sense. Man, I want to watch Goldeneye. I want to oh, play Goldeneye. Uh, such a good movie, such a good game. I want oh. to play Goldeneye. You have a 64. <laughs> Do you still have a 64? I've got, I've got, I've got Goldeneye on Wii. What? Yeah. I have to remaster one. He looks like Daniel Craig. Oh, it's, it's yeah, really, yeah, 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 yeah. I know, probably Blasphemy, but I don't have a 64, sorry. So, I mean, I don't anymore. Oh, it's the same game. <laughs> it's the same game. No, it is. It is. I played it because I played it. They released it on Wii. They also released it on 360. Mm. Um, and I played it and I was like, it's fine. Same, the multiplayer's the same. Yeah. Kind, well, of, kind of. Well, yeah, for the most part. Yeah. yeah. Still yeah. not the same. Anyway. As, 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 yeah. Anyway. We, uh, went in a different direction there. Absolutely. Um, and what have we got last? Oh, well, we yes. covered these already. Random pass. Joe's Joe son is his name. Yeah. He's great. Um, Taken out by the infamous penis enlarger. Yep. On the penis. On the penis. Take that. Uh, it's, it's not his, not though. My, you know that guy who's doing the, um, like, who, who's doing the, the personal asset stuff, where he's going through, like, the, the penis and lines yeah. and stuff? He has a recurring role in each film. I can't remember his name. Obviously, I up. don't recall that. So he's, oh, what is he in the second one? But I know in the third one, he does, like, the urine sample test. Oh. Um, oh. And he, he does something in the second one. I just can't remember what it is at this yeah, point right. in time. Interesting. Um, but yeah, funny guy, that guy as well. Clearly not impactful enough for me to put him in the notes. Wait. But you know who I did put in there as a, at the end was, uh, oh, it's not on yours, that's weird, um, Carrie Fisher, who's... <laughs> well, we missed it. Yeah, we, 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 but you know what? Like, again, there's some, there's some deleted scenes with, like, I mean, 
Christian Slater has a cameo in this movie. Yeah, that's right. I, don't, I, don't, I can't even so recall when, what you're talking about. So when they um, when they're on the the Verticon tour yeah. and they they they, they steal well, they bail like, from the... they go to the toilets and they steal like the lab coats and mm-hmm. they come out <laughs> and they go into the, through the doors. In the version I just watched on on my streaming service, it just cuts to the tour guide being like, "We have an emergency" or whatever he says. Yeah, and then they're running. We're in you know like the special different DVDs which I've watched mm. my whole life and I thought this was new because I was like, mm. I was like, where's the shepherd thing? What's going on? Um, yeah, they 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 go in and they're like, oh, we look nothing like our IDs, and then they approach a security guard and he's like, IDs please or whatever, and then Austin uses like this ancient like t- like a mind control thing like a Jedi right. mind trick where it's like. You are going to go across the road to get me. Well, he, he says some other stuff about like how mm. IDs are fine or something. I can't remember what it was. Right. Again, it wasn't in this movie, so I, I didn't have a reason to rewatch. Yeah. And, but then at the end, he's like, he's like, you're going to go across the road and get me some orange sherbet. <laughs> and then later on, when like everything's like, you know, like abort, abort, everyone's running, everyone's screaming, it, they get stopped by yeah, him again. Just like, is it and he's, yeah, he, he's something. like, I got you your orange sherbet. And I was like, thank you. And then he just kept running. No, I have not seen that. I have and no idea where you're seeing that. The henchman scene. So the guy who gets steamrolled over, yeah, right, as he's getting steamrolled, yeah. it then transitions into like into this like woman like rolling out some dough. with <laughs> And it's like this afternoon special, like um, just this, heartfelt hallmark scene thing right right it's his mum in the kitchen she gets this phone call and she's like what what someone's obviously telling her some bad news and then her son comes in you know comes out home from whatever from school or whatever yeah. and then she breaks the news to him that his stepfather has just been killed you know he's a henchman for dr evil right. and then he starts crying and he's like since dad left or died or whatever it's like he's been like a father to me and that's like no one ever thinks about you know the henchman, the, the family of the henchman. Yeah, sort of and then later on, the same joke, but the guy that gets his head bitten off, yeah, by the um, sea bass thing. Yeah. So when they leave again, another funny scene where it's like that's the way to get ahead. I was yeah, just like, oh my god, I love this dad joke after dad joke. do okay. It zooms into his name tag. It says John Smith, and then you've got. A scene with Rob Lowe and a bunch of right. and, and Rob Lowe comes back actually as well, I know he's a younger yeah. number yeah. two. Yeah. But in this it's him with his mates, um, and they're they're there for the bachelor party for John Smith. And they're right. like, Where is John? What's oh, going on? No. He's he's late for his own bachelor party. It's like, oh, sometimes he works late because you know he works for you know, uh, Dr. Evil's mm. you know, he's one of the henchmen. So they they work late, you know, it happens and they're like, Cool. Then they get a call, right, like for the John Smith party, and he's like, He's dead? Decapitated by an ill-tempered mutated sea bass. Oh my god! And he comes, like he comes back and he tells them, and it's like John Smith won't be making it today. He was decapitated by an ill-tempered mutated sea bass, and they're like, "Oh my god, to Smitty!" And they're like, "To Smitty." So no, I haven't seen any These, of that. I've again, not seen any of that. It actually blew. And the reason I'm making such a big deal about it, like, it has blown my mind because mm-hmm. this is new information I only found out yesterday. Yeah. That these were omitted from the normal cut of the film. Like these yeah. were essentially deleted things put back in that I've watched every single time I've watched the movie, except for last night when I did a rework. Yeah, right. That's insane. Like you've just and, yeah, that's been the version you've been watching and, the extended editions. And I told my wife about them, 
and she because I was like, "There's missing stuff," and she was like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, that's and cool. then I told her the scene, and she was like, "I've never heard of what you're saying." Correct, neither have I. I don't understand what you're talking about. Yeah, like, but she remembered the orange sherbet one, so it's confusing. It's weird. It's weird. She kind of stumbled on it once or twice. All right, as characters, that's the movie. That's things. That's done. That was good. The characters actually guided us through this movie. We yeah, it worked. Nice. <laughs> Is it now time probably to do a bit of a quiz break? Should we, we just yeah, we, we better because we're running out of time. We are running out of time, <laughs> so we've got to get quick. We've got to be, we've got to move quick on this. Um, what we used to do is we used to time it. We don't do that anymore. But what we are going to do is I'm going to ask Jason ten questions in approximately sixty seconds. If he goes over, I'm not going to mind. If he goes under, I'm not going to mind. You don't have a time, so you're not going to know either way. Either way, <laughs> except when I'm doing the edit later, and then I really will know. Now, Jason, you're not allowed to look at my notes, so stay the heck away. Um, I've got 10 questions here. <laughs> okay. Um, are you ready? I think, so. I think so. I think so. Okay. Here we go. 10 questions in approximately 60 seconds. Question one. What is Austin's number plate? Swinger. It is. Well, you might get 10 out of 10 out of <laughs> uh, Based on one. What point. is the pendant that Austin uh, wears on his neck chain? Male symbol. It is. What does Austin deny he owns? Uh, a Swedish-made penis enlarger. Jeez, you got that one. Um, what shape is Dr. Evil's rocket ship? Oh, yeah, what is it? What's oh, it's a, oh, it's a big boy. It is a big boy, correct. <laughs> In some way, the big boy never left. <laughs> <Gosh>. <laughs> How much money does Dr. Evil end up demanding? What's his final figure? $100 billion. Correct, it is. <laughs> there we go. What does random task throw at people? A shoe. Who a shoe? Random task, task does. What fruit does Vanessa hold up to cover her chest? Uh, two melons. Incorrect. Oh! Ooh. And I'm moving fruit, on. I'm fruit. moving on. I'll tell you later. Question eight. Name one of the other um, one of the celebrities found in the uh, celebrity vault. Frozen. Uh, Name one of them. Can you think of one? There's... Do you know what? In one of the versions of the movie, there's Evil Knievel. There's, <laughs> that was not in mine. That's... No, so you could have that. No, that is correct. I swear to God. Who are the other ones, though? Was there... Um, well, you didn't have it. Was Walt Disney, Disney one? Nope. I'm drawing a blank. All I can think of is bloody evil Knievel. There's only two in the version I watched. I'll tell you later. Now, question nine. What's the name of Dr. Evil's uh, evil project? The one with the drilling of the... Oh, Project Vulcan. Correct. And last one. What fish are used to replace the sharks with laser beams? Oh, Ill-tempered, mutated <laughs> sea bass. <laughs> Very much so. All right, you got eight, out, you got eight out of ten. Out of Do eight. you know what? The, yeah. the, the, the sharks with laser beams on their heads. Right? Freaking laser Again, beams. Again, this is another deep cut James Bond thing. It's not even in a movie. There was one of the unwritten, um, I believe it was, a sh- I think it was a Sean Connery one. I don't remember them all. It was one of the older, mm. older um, Bond movies. One of the unwritten movies had... I think they were robotic sharks with with like laser beams hmm. on them. Hmm. Never used sort of thing, but that's how deep cut some of these yeah. references to these Bond movies are. Ridiculous, man. Ridiculous. Good on you, my mice. Okay, you got eight out of ten. The two that you didn't get, um, what fruit does Vanessa hold up to cover her chest? She carry, puts up two pineapples, big giant pineapples. Okay, you know that, that works. I'm going to say, just for the sake of it, I'm going to say in my version. Oh, whatever. <laughs> And on that and on, and on that note, um, celebrities well, in the version I saw, um, you had um, Gary Coleman, who the fuck that is. Um, oh yeah, like and Vanilla Ice. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh that guy, yeah, that, that guy has actually passed away. By the way, 
died died in like 2018 or something. Wait, is Gary Coleman the guy, or is Gary? Co- no, Gary Coleman's the um, yeah. What are you well, talking he's about? Well, he's a yeah. What you're talking about? Willis. Willis. Is yeah, that's Gary Coleman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. No, I'm there thinking of Urkel. Yeah, Urkel. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Anyway, and Vanilla Ice was the other one as well. So there you go. You got the rest of them, though. Did well. Bloody melons. So I'm, like, I'm claiming the evil Knievel. Yeah, that's I'm right. You can take it. So you got you technically you could have got nine, nine out of ten, whatever. I'll I did get nine. I it. did get nine. You, you you did clearly, and I'm gonna accept it. That's fine. <laughs> okay, that was our quiz in clearly ten minutes or whatever that <laughs> what was. was. Um, it's time to do our rating out of our five VHS tapes. Do you want to go first? I will. I will. I look. Let's make this short and sweet. Famous last words. Um, <laughs> like I said, they they taken what could be just a very um, a silly approach to a like a satire mm-hmm. homage to like the Bond films and the spy genre, sixties pop culture. But they've done something creative with it. That well, they did something creative with it enough that we created a whole franchise based on these original characters. Like so, yep. it's like we're parodying this, but we've got this original thing happening mm-hmm. and memorable, iconic characters. Yeah, fun, likable. Um, the movie is is funny. I'm. You know the the risk of rewatching a comedy is that like I'm not gonna find it as funny or like you no, know, absolutely the, and especially like this movie is very I'm gonna say it's dated but the oh, jokes yeah. are still working for me you know there's there's mm-hmm. stuff in here that of course wouldn't fly these days and you know like if you have any sense of maturity you'd probably be like that's not funny or whatever yeah. but yeah. I'm still sitting there I I feel so clearly you don't have any sense of maturity not at all then. none at all but I I just sit there I switch off I watch this I just enjoy it. I laugh I like the performances. The sincerity of things, the yep. the heart that comes with some moments, and this movie doesn't dwell too much on the serious stuff, but it it explores it enough mm-hmm. that it has fun with it. Yeah, um, I don't want to go crazy with the with the score because I mean, at the end of the day, this movie isn't doing anything too glamorous, and no. um, but there's there's wonderful stuff happening. I really love it, love the franchise, and I love this movie. Um, but I will give it a, a very sensible four out of five. Okay, I'm going. Yeah, I'll go for that. You know, that, that, I think that's... Yeah, that's that's Four measured. out of five. That's measured. That's measured. Yeah, that's yeah, fair. Cool. Look, I'm in a similar vein. Um, so I think when I was younger, I think I enjoyed this. Like, I thought... I think it might have even been like a perfect movie to me kind of thing where yeah. I, you know, I just laughed every time. 100%. You know, without... Yeah, I just could watch it every single weekend without it, you know, without even thinking it was getting boring at all. But as an older person... Uh, you know, you're certainly right. There are certain things that are, you know, maybe they're almost like, eh, whatever. But what I will say is, between now and the time when I first watched this movie, because I've seen a whole bunch more about the context of what they're teasing and what they're really pushing, I have a very a much a new appreciation for this oh, movie. So, so not necessarily okay. do I find it as equally as funny, but I do find it, I've got much more of an appreciation for the effort they like put in. Like it's smarter? Yes, like smarter, smarter than, they, yes. than I think they people might realise yeah. it is. Um, and so for me, I it's kind of transitioned quite a fair amount from my original interpretation. Um, so it's not a perfect movie at all, like you said, and yeah, certain things might be a bit, yep, can't really have that now, and that's fine. Um, <laughs> but the amount of effort they put into really going, drilling, like drilling down and just the subtle, nuanced ways they've, they really tease this genre and um, in, in ways that you just don't pick up on that, you know, those earlier viewings or when you don't have the context. It's definitely, it's a four out of five for me too, easily. 
Ooh, easily. You got me worried there at the start. No, <laughs> no, no. But it is certainly not as funny as I thought it was compared to maybe just appreciating yeah. the work that's been put into it. I haven't seen number two or three for such a long time. I don't know if they would hold up as well because they're kind of rehashing the same kind of concepts. I don't know. Like the second one, we get into, you know, there's all the time travel stuff. There's... Yeah. You know, we are more present in the 60s. There's, you know, yeah. Then we've got Fat Bass, Mini Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Basil got... has more exposition to give us. <laughs> well, Basil's so reliable. All right, cool. So, look, like shit. we're on the same page <laughs> with our levels with two, with different takes on it, though. But yeah, four out of five sounds great. And I think that's it. So, I guess that was our rewind to uh, 1997. Austin Powers, and I'll say it. International Man of Mystery. Yeah, there it is. There there it is. We hope you enjoyed. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Rewind and Review. As always, we'll remind you that any feedback, either positive or negative, or any rewind requests can be sent to us via email at thatfilmsyoupodcast at gmail.com. Indeed. Now, or um, you could do that, or you could reach out to us on either That Films or Rewind and Review's Facebook pages, and you can like and follow those pages while you're there. Subscribe and leave us a review on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts, as it does help others like yourself find the podcast. Yep, and you can find our entire catalogue, so many, 66 episodes now, um, uh, on thatfilmstudiopodcast.com. Now, coming soon from That Film Studio, um, a review of Malignant. Um, yeah. Very much in line with this movie in terms of tone. <laughs> <laughs> um, it sounds like comics have a recent episode looking at Superman, the animated series. Right. Um, and our next episode here on Rewind and Review, well, mm-hmm. listen to this. Here's a, here's a clue. You're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? A wizard and a thumping good one, I'd wager, once you trade up a little. No, you've made a mistake. I mean, I can't be a, a, a wizard. I mean, I'm just Harry. Just Harry. There you go. I reckon you would have figured that out. Um, and if not, well, just wait out wait for the next episode and you'll figure <laughs> right, it out anyway. Um, so thanks for listening, everybody. This has been another episode of Rewind and Review, and we will see you on our next trip. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library. Honestly, it's not mine. (laughs) Oh, funny. Um...